0: Do you feel that empty feeling? Cause shame's done all it's stealing. And you're desperate for some healing. Let me tell you about my Jesus. He makes a way where there ain't no way. Let me tell you about my Jesus Price for all my guilty. Who would care that much about me? Let me tell you about my Jesus.
1: Oh, He makes a way where there ain't no way. Rises up.
2: good morning morning. welcome you can be turning in uh, the church's Bible to page uh, 1424 Revelation chapter 21 we'll be reading the first three verses and then uh, real quickly we are celebrating today the Feast of Tabernacles and tonight we will gather at six o'clock and if you haven't uh, registered we have we have this morning to get your name and uh, and plan for you attending and then uh on our prayer list we are continuing to celebrate and praise God for um Kylie Grace for her continuing to improve and for God's miracles that are continuing the uh the physical is catching up to the spiritual amen and thank you for praying for uh, my dad I talked to him uh just the other day just a blessing to hear his voice he um continues to get slower and weaker my sister says but he is very much still here and we are continuing to pray please for Raul Junior for uh, Lee Martin and then for others I'm sure that need uh, God's touch need his healing Susan (laughs) and then from Revelation chapter 21 now I saw a new heaven and a new earth and they shall be his people god himself will be with them and be their god let's pray father god we are so thankful abba father for your plans to have these holy days which we can celebrate together and father we do celebrate and we do look forward to what you have uh, in mind for us and today The feast of uh, Sukkot we look forward to dwelling with you to tabernacling with you uh, for the rest of eternity and as father as we live out the rest of our lives here we are thankful for your presence with us we're thankful that you hear our prayers we're thankful God that we get to witness what you are doing in Kylie Grace and in all of her family and all of our spiritual family here thank you that we get to witness this to witness your hand and father we do we see you working in others in our family and in in other lives and we give you praise and thanks thank you for hearing our prayers for those we just listed and for others we will forever thank you we thank you now god for this hour that's been set aside for you, for your honor and for your glory. Receive our praises in the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus. Amen.
3: Leave it all behind Leave it all behind Leave it all behind Leave it all behind I have what you need But you keep on searching I've done all the work But you keep on working When you're running on empty And you can't find the remedy Just come to the well You can spend your whole life Chasing what's missing But that empty inside You just ain't gonna listen When nothing can satisfy And the world leaves you high and dry Just come to the will And all who thirst away all who say you are when your last prayer is spoken just rest in my arms a while you'll feel the change my child when you come to the well it's all who thirst will thirst no more it's all who say you're full of love beyond measure your joy's gonna flow like a stream in the desert soon all the world will see the living water is found in me because you come to the well yeah it's all who's
4: Kingdom comes right here where we stand. We will see the promised land. Mm. One day there'll be no more lives taken too soon. One day there'll be no more need for a hospital. One day every tear that falls will be wiped by his hair. We will see the promised land no more anger left in our eyes one day the color of our skin won't cause a divide one day we'll be family standing hand in hand and we will see the promised land Every tongue will confess one day when our tired and weary bones find their rest, one day when the power of evil's brought to an end, we will see the promised land, we will see.
5: Good morning, it is awesome to be with y'all. I am so excited to share in the Lord's word today. Um, exactly as, as Joe has shared and as we've read in scripture and Deborah has prayed, uh, we today will anticipate the Feast of Tabernacles that we'll celebrate together tonight. For the last few weeks, we have been studying about the fall feasts, about the feasts that will be fulfilled by Jesus' second coming the Day of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and finally, the Feast of Tabernacles. So tonight at sundown, we will gather here together and we will celebrate, we will, we will feast together, we will eat together, we will read Scripture, and we will rejoice, for this is a day that the Lord has made and a day that the Lord has commanded. So this week, as I've been studying for this feast... Um, the Lord has drawn me some to some new understanding of, of what this booth symbolizes and what this shelter means that he commanded the Israelites to dwell in for 40 years. And so I want to share with you um, three different shelters that Scripture mentions in the Old Testament. There are great distinctions between them that are, are kind of buried into the background of the Old Testament and of the language of Hebrew. And each of them will have great significance for understanding why the Lord had called the Israelites to dwell in this type of shelter. So the first shelter is what we would call a tent. It is what is commonly translated in our English Old Testament as a tent. It is pronounced in Hebrew, ohel. And this word can be understood as a tent, a camp, a dwelling, an enclosure, a home, or even a tabernacle. And this is the word that is used most commonly for a shelter in the Old Testament. It is used 345 times and and that number will be important here in a few minutes. And the meaning of an ohole, and I say that because when we hear tent, yes, it, if you want to spell it it's o h e l. When we hear tent, we imagine what we might buy at academy, right? Poles and nylon, zippers and pouches. But that's not what is intended by this word in the Old Testament. So this word ohole comes from the nomadic lifestyle right the lifestyle of those who would travel around who were not stationary who were not sitting still but those who lived in the desert and the wilderness who would essentially wander right they would wander for food and for water and for shelter abraham isaac and jacob were nomads because they lived in tents and they traveled from location to location so turn with me to genesis chapter 12 and the church's bible on page 12. genesis chapter 12 the church's bible page 12. So in Genesis 12, God is promising and calling Abram, future Abraham. We'll read verses 7 through 9. It says, Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent, his Ohel with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. So this is the word that we're talking about. It's used here for Abram. It's used in, uh, like we said, some 345 other times in Scripture to talk about a temporary dwelling place. Despite being used for nomads like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who would travel, these tents were semi-permanent. Meaning nomads would stay in places for extended periods of time. Right, they weren't at a new location every night. They would travel to a place, they would pitch their tent, and they would stay there for a period of time, but it was not their home, right? They would then gather their tent they would gather their animals they would gather their clan and they would move out for another location the roofs of these tents of these ohol, would be constructed with linen and animal skins this is really important that these ohol were to be known as constructed with linen and animal skin so when you think of a tent don't think of academy. Don't think of what you put in the backyard to look out at the stars. Think of nomads and think of an animal skin roof. Think of semi-permanent. So the second shelter we're going to talk about is the tabernacle. Pronounced in Hebrew, if you like this, is mishkan. Mishkan. And this word for tabernacle means a temporary Excuse me, this word means a dwelling, a tabernacle, or a sanctuary. This word is used 139 times. This structure is also semi-permanent. The meaning of this word, mishkan, comes from a word that means a temporary dwelling or lodging. This is the word God used to describe the temporary lodging of him, and his glory among his people in the tabernacle. So turn with me next to Exodus 25, if you're in the church's Bible, on page 89. Exodus 25, page 89. So in Exodus 25, the Lord is talking to the Israelites, and he's telling them that they are to construct a place for him to reside, for his spirit to dwell among them. Like Abraham and all of his descendants would ultimately be traveling around, God would create a place that would go with them, that he would reside. We'll read together verses 8 and 9. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. According to all that I show you, that is, the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings, so you shall make it. So this word tabernacle that is used here um, would, would be what traveled around with God's people for 40 years while they're in the desert. And it would be the dwelling place where they would offer sacrifices to the Lord and where they would worship him. This sanctuary structure is described in in two ways in the Bible. You've probably heard it described or called the tabernacle. And other times you've probably heard Moses saying they were going to the tent of meeting, right? These two places, the tabernacle and the tent of meeting, are the same place. The tabernacle is the word we just learned, mishkan and the tent of meeting uses the word ohel. so these are the two words describing the place where god's spirit would dwell they're used interchangeably in exodus and in leviticus to describe the same place so the tabernacle was constructed and it was something in our our measurements around 150 by 75 feet so maybe twice the size of a basketball court or half the size of a football field. And, and we call it the tabernacle, but really there was a perimeter, a fence around it. Inside that was the outer courts. And then inside the outer courts was the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. A place that was covered with four layers of linen, of of goats hair, of rams hair, of sea cow skin, this tent, this tabernacle, held the holy place and the holy of holies where the Lord dwelt. These are the two words: this tent of meeting and this tabernacle to describe where God dwelt. Really interesting that tent of meeting is the ohel of moed, like moedim. It means an appointment right? We we know the feast as appointed times, but the tent of meeting is a specialized place, an appointment tent, right? Where God would meet with his priests. It's really important that we know that the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, was not made with any random things, but that its roof was made with linen, with goat's hair, with animal skin, and with sea cow skin. It was a semi-permanent dwelling, that's important. So the third and final shelter we're gonna discuss is the booth, like this booth here. Pronounced in Hebrew, sukkah, like we say, that's the sing- singular form so this is one suka, but if we had many of these they would be sukkot which are the plural for booze and this word can be understood as a thicket if you think about uh, gathered things from a forest lots of trees and branches are a thicket and, and it is a canopy a shelter or tent and that's what this word really means a canopy a thicket. It does mean tent, but it gets its understanding from the things that are used to construct it. It's not just timber. It is a thicket of vegetation. This word is used least common of all of the shelters in the Old Testament. It's used just 31 times. See, this is important because we should see that that we began talking about the tent that's used over 400 times and the tabernacle that's used just 130-something times to the booth that's used just 30 times. The meaning of a booth or a sukkah is a harvester's temporary shelter. It was a shelter that would be made by farmers during harvest time was made only really during a certain time of year when the farmers were there finishing the harvest. They didn't want to leave at night. They didn't want to leave their precious fields, so they would stay there nearby. And they would build this booth, a temporary structure, that was made with the things from the harvest. It wasn't just gathered from anywhere, but it was gathered from the things that they were harvesting. So the booth was a makeshift structure, and it was roofed with the vegetation that they had on hand. This booth is distinguished from the first two shelters, the tent and the tabernacle that were semi-permanent, that were layered with animal skins, right? This is a completely different type of structure. It may appear the same on the sides, it may have some timber, it may have some wood, it may have some strong things to hold it together, but its covering, its roof, was made with vegetation. It was made with what was provided and available. It's with these understandings in mind that we turn now to Leviticus 23 to read of the Lord's feast. Leviticus 23, um, page 140. We will read together verses 33 through 44. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, The fifteenth day of the seventh month shall be the feast of tabernacles for seven days to the Lord. On the first day there shall be a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it. For seven days you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. On the eighth day you shall have a holy convocation. And you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. It is a sacred assembly, and you shall do no customary work on it. These are the feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, to offer an offering made by fire to the Lord, a burn offering and a grain offering, a sacrifice and drink offerings, everything on its day. Besides the Sabbaths of the Lord, besides your gifts, besides your vows, and besides All of your free will offerings which you give to the Lord Also on the fifteenth day of the seventh month When you have gathered in the fruit of the land You shall keep the feast of the Lord for seven days On the first day there shall be a day of Sabbath rest And on the eighth day a day of Sabbath rest And you shall take for yourselves on the first day The fruit of beautiful trees Branches of palm trees The boughs of leafy trees And willows of the brook and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. You shall keep it as a feast to the Lord for seven days in the year. It shall be a statute forever in your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. You shall dwell in booze for seven days. All who are native Israelites shall dwell in booze. That your generations may know that I made the, made the children of Israel dwell in booze, When I brought them from the land of Egypt, I am the Lord your God. So Moses declared to the children of Israel the feast of the Lord. So God gives instructions for celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. It is to be celebrated each year on the 15th day of the seventh month for seven days. And like all of God's feasts, it begins with a holy convocation, a Sabbath day set aside from work and from other activities to worship the Lord. The Feast of Tabernacles includes four aspects. Offerings and sacrifices, the gathering of foliage, rejoicing, and building of booths. So we read about the offerings and the sacrifices that were were done in, in verse 37. It says, Everything on its day. The Lord gave instructions for these things. And then we read that we're to gather four pieces of foliage. The feast revolved around the fall harvest. We've just kind of studied about booths, but the booth is really a very distinct thing even before we come to this feast, this idea of the booth for farmers existed. So on this feast day, um, they were to gather four different types of vegetation fruit of beautiful trees, branches of leafy palm trees, boughs of leafy trees, and willows of the brook. The next thing is that this was a great day of rejoicing. In fact, the Feast of Tabernacles is the only feast where we're commanded to rejoice. they were rejoicing the israelites for the harvest that they had received for seeing the lord's hand in the desert for seeing his provision and his protection during the 40 years of the of the wilderness so tonight we're going to we're going to worship as exactly as they were called to worship we're going to worship with the lulav which is a a palm branch joined together with a myrtle and willow branches, along with an etrog, which is a citron fruit. And just as they did, we're going to wave these things before the Lord, grateful for the things that he has done in our lives, as they would have waved them before the Lord joyfully for the harvest, for the things that he had provided. The final thing is that this is the Feast of Booths. So they're, they're called to during eight days of the feast, the Israelites would dwell in booths much like this one. Not tents, not tabernacles, but booths that were made from the vegetation that they had gathered. So you see, these things come together in the Feast of Tabernacles, that they weren't just gathering anything they could from around to make this booth. They were gathering from the vegetation that God had provided, from the harvest that he had provided. The thing is, is that often our our English Bibles, they do the best they can to convey the understanding for the words thousands of years ago. But there are things that are going on here that are, are difficult to convey without some understanding and background. When we began today, we talked about these different shelters, the tent and the tabernacle and the booths. In our reading here in Leviticus 23, let, let's look at a few verses again that we've already read. Verse 33 says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, The fifteenth day of the seventh month shall be the feast of tabernacles. Then look over with me to verse 42. You shall dwell in booze for seven days. All who are native Israelites shall dwell in booze, that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel dwell in booze. Now, in all the words we just read, tabernacles and booze, none of them are a tent or a tabernacle. Each of these words are a booth. This is, this is going to build that we'll understand why this is significant and important. See, if we read into this what we imagine as a tabernacle, a giant tent, or a giant place of meeting, we miss what the Lord was calling the Israelites to and what he's calling us to. Instead, both of these verses imagine the thicket the canopy the temporary shelter of a farmer it's distinguished from those first two shelters with thick animal skin permanent semi-permanent dwelling places You see, I believe that the Israelites fully understood the imagery, the symbolism, the meaning that the Lord was calling them to dwell in these booths that is easy for us to miss because we dwell in permanent places, don't we? There's a few points that I know the Lord wants us to see. The first thing is here, look with me in verse 43. It says that he made them to dwell. He says in verse 43 that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. This is significant for a few reasons. It's an awkward phrase here that God would make them to dwell. What, what does that really mean? Did he force them to dwell? Did he coerce them to dwell? This is a, a special Hebrew verb in the form that, that means that he caused this to happen. That in a way, the Israelites really couldn't even make this happen themselves. They couldn't have just chosen, they couldn't have just decided to dwell in booths. See, a, a booth had to be provided. This vegetation had to be provided. They had animals, yes, But this vegetation would dry out. It would wither. It would spoil. But fresh vegetation each year of those 40 had to be provided that this was even an option. So when it says he made them to dwell, it means he made a way. He caused it. He allowed it. He provided it. It was out of his goodness. Really, it is an incredible thing that there was even a harvest in the wilderness, in the desert, at all. Right? We read that so haphazardly, yet it's difficult for us to grow things here in West Texas, isn't it? Far more difficult in the wilderness and the desert that they were nomads in. See, this booth was the result of the harvest. Secondly, God brought this about. God caused it to be in a way that they would live in booths, in these temporary structures. See, God was leading them to the promised land, right from the very beginning word that we read about tent with Abram. From that point forward, God was calling his people to his promised land. Abraham was even scouting it right then. He was in Canaan, right? But but God's journey was to lead his people to the promised land. But because of their own issues, their own rebellion, it took a really long time and a really long route, didn't it? Forty years' worth, many miles. God's mercy was to supply this need even in their stuff. His provision was to provide this booth and this direction even in their wandering you see they weren't supposed to be dwelling in these semi-permanent tents or tabernacles were they it wasn't God's plan that they would take up a home in the wilderness they weren't settlers in the wilderness instead they were sojourners they were supposed to be on a journey So in the same way that they ate their Passover meal with their belts on their waist, with their sandals on their feet, with their staff in their hands, they were to be ready to move out. You don't move out with a semi-permanent tent, do you? No. You move out and you leave these sukkahs behind because the Lord is going to provide what you need along the way. They were ready to be ready to go as the Lord directed. They were going to the promised land. So it is with us. We're not to be settlers in the wilderness, are we? We're to be ready to leave any place, both physical and spiritual, that the Lord calls us to. In 1 Peter 2, Peter says, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. We are called, like the Israelites, as booth dwellers and pilgrims. A pilgrim isn't a drifter, a pilgrim has a goal. A pilgrim is one that leaves their home like Abraham in search of a specific place. The next thing is that these booths were not permanent. So easy to say that and to see that this isn't a permanent place that we'd wanna reside, but that's what this communicated to the people. That's what God was communicating when he said, you're to dwell in these booths." The very nature of these words, tent, tabernacle, and booth, are so much more expressive than we can imagine. Booths are just temporary. God was leading them to the promised land and staying in tents would have only slowed their journey. Hear that. Staying in tents would have only slowed their journey. Likewise for us, God does not intend any desert experience that we have to be any longer than it needs to be. The picture in the promised land was that the place that they would no longer build these temporary booths, but settle in and build homes as we imagine the day when God will tabernacle with us, we imagine the promised land where we will no longer be in temporary places, but we will dwell with him permanently. And that's what the Israelites were counting on. That's what the Lord was showing them. Sometimes we choose ourselves to build tents, don't we? Tents that God has not commanded, tents that God has not provided, God's heart is for us to dwell not not permanently here, but temporarily. So the booze served as a reminder of what God did, as a reminder of God's provision. As Deborah would say as breadcrumbs, they were a means to an end, God's end. Final point I want to make is, that God's presence was never meant to be, excuse me, it was meant to be permanent. Even though the tabernacle was mobile, God's presence was not to be temporary. There is a difference between mobile and immobile and semi-permanent and permanent. The tabernacle was such an amazing picture of God's grace. That side by side with the Israelites as they were being led by a pillar of fire and a cloud for covering, this tabernacle, this place that said God is with us would go with them. That each time they stopped that this tabernacle would be set up to say God's presence is here. We are the Israelites We are foolish at times. We will build golden calves and we will go after other gods and we will make mistakes because we we don't yet see the fullness of what God intends. But his desire is to dwell with us and offer an opportunity for sacrifice and worship to be cleansed and made right. Turn back with me to Exodus 25 on page 89. Exodus 25, page 89. We'll read these verses that we read a few minutes ago again together we'll read in verses 8 and 9 Exodus 25 8 and 9 this is God speaking to Moses and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them according to all that I show you that is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings so you shall make it So this is an incredible incredible couple of verses that, that I wanted to spoil earlier when we read it, but have to be patient. The first thing that we read in verse 8 is that it is to be a sanctuary. God is describing the type of dwelling place that this would be. The word for, for sanctuary comes from It comes from holy. It means that this is a place that is set apart, that is holy, that is distinct from all other places. That's the type of place that this is. Then he says, also in verse 8, that I may dwell among them. This word here for dwell is shakon. And this word is different from the word that we, we read that the Israelites dwelled in booths. uses a very different word for dwell for when the Israelites, for when mankind, for when we dwell in a place. This uses the word shakon for how God will dwell. And then it says in verse 9, according to all that I show you, that is the pattern of the tabernacle. This word tabernacle, we, we said, means mishkan. And I realize these words are really, uh, I'm, not a, I'm not sure how meaningful they are to hear, but what I want you to know is that in Hebrew, the, 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 the nouns derive their meaning from verbs. So when it says God is going to dwell, it says shakan, And that word, and the next word tabernacle, mishkan, comes from shakon. See, the tabernacle, the place, the sanctuary gets its meaning from who's dwelling there. The tabernacle is a dwelling place amplified. There is no tabernacle without God dwelling. The tabernacle, the word doesn't mean. Several walls, it doesn't mean a holy place or a holy of holies. It means a place that God has designed that comes from God dwelling there. It's as if the Lord says, the tabernacle is the result of me dwelling there. And it has always been God's intention to dwell with us, always, There's just a few few prophecies I want to look at as we as we wrap up. The first is in Zechariah 14. If you turn with me to page 1103, Zechariah 14, page 1103. See, like us, each year that we celebrate the feast, we, we understand new things from the Lord. For hundreds of years, this feast was being celebrated by the Israelites. There were times where they were not as strong, where they were in captivity in Babylon. Times where prophets write that as they returned to the Lord, they were strengthened by the feast and, and read of the law. And, and, and things kind of grew in their understanding of what this feast meant. But this feast, imagine the day where God's spirit would more permanently dwell with his people. In Zechariah 14, Zechariah is a prophet and he's writing to Judah and he's telling them all of the things that they have done to displease the Lord and run away from the Lord and leave his provision. And he's telling them that if they hold fast, if they return, that there is a day when he will come again. We'll read in verse sixteen. And it shall come a pass it shall come to pass that everyone who is left of all the nations which came against Israel shall go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of tabernacles. Zechariah is telling them that if they return to the Lord, they can anticipate the day where they will go up to him on the Feast of Tabernacles. This points towards a time when God will tabernacle on earth and when Jesus will restore all things. Next, turn with me to Revelation 21. We'll read the the verse that Joe read for us this morning as we began. Revelation 21, page 1424. In the revelation to John, John is allowed to see many great things that God will do when he comes again. We get excited about things that we envision like mansions and streets made of gold and other things that really, really kind of distill what God's purpose is for us. Among the greatest things that will occur when Jesus returns when sin, when death, when the enemy are abolished, is that he will dwell with us. That our sin will be extinguished. That the authority of the enemy in our lives will be no more. We'll read just verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. See, this word tabernacle is truly reserved for God. We are to dwell in booze. We are to dwell in booze and follow the Lord. And one day he will dwell and he will tabernacle with men like Jesus did. We misunderstand this feast, and we make a place for ourselves that's not right. We miss images that make plain our sin and our wandering. They make simple the way that we want. But understood, we can truly await dwelling with the Most High God. As I've studied this week, the Lord has made so apparent to me the difference between what is common and what is set apart. What was common in the Old Testament and what is common today is for man to dwell in tents they've made themselves. But what God has set apart are booze for his journey. What is common has a covering and a protection that is made by man. But what God has set apart has been provided by his harvest. We cannot live in two different places. God is calling each of us to leave the things that are common for the things that are set apart for his purpose. Tonight is no common night. Sundown is God's appointed time, his feast, his memorial, his holy convocation, his appointment. And he desires to draw us to himself to celebrate all that he has done. May it be so.
0: And I am I come. all I
1: need,
0: oh it's all I need.